You don't hear much about the border unless you're watching Fox News or listening to some AM talk radio, but we're setting records every single month. I'm sure our next guest has the numbers at hand, but they're very large numbers of people coming across and staying, as there have been for years, by the way. Uh, always like to point out that Gallup polling has been pretty consistent that close to 90% of Americans want secure borders. Close to 90%. Obviously, that includes... A lot of people from every political stripe. Now, uh, beyond uh, securing the borders, how many people you want to come in from where is uh, where we get into an argument. But that's fine. That's absolutely fine. Why we can't secure the borders, though, when almost everybody wants it, and it leads to tragedies like we had the other day, when all those people died horrific deaths in the back of that truck. We have been saying, administration after administration, both parties for a very long time, If you come to America, if you try to get across the border, decent chance you're going to get across. And if you get across, you get to stay. And if you stay, we're going to take care of you no matter what. Health care, food, whatever, or let you work. We won't really crack down on the whole uh, whether or not you got an ID stuff. We'll let you be here. We've been sending that message through the world for a long time. And, of course, we get this result. Uh, That's my opinion. Let's hear more from somebody who deals with this for a living. Mark Krikorian, who we've talked to many times over the years, executive director Center for Immigration Studies. Mark, thanks for joining us today. Well, thanks for having me. Could you hit me with a quick statement of what you guys want? What 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 would be your uh, if you could if you were king and ruled the world? What would you like to see happen? Well, the first thing is you got to enforce whatever the immigration laws are, as you suggested. I mean that go that should go without saying. But as far as legal immigration goes, the short version is that. A modern society like ours has outgrown immigration. Immigrants aren't different, really, from 100 or 200 years ago, the same kind of people. What's different is our society. We have a post-industrial knowledge-based economy. We have a welfare state. The world has shrunk. And so we need to downsize the federal immigration program, because that's what it is. It's just a government program like the Air Force or the Small Business Administration, and it needs to be smaller uh, than it is now. And we take a million sometimes more legal immigrants every year and half a million plus so-called temporary workers. A lot of them just end up staying anyway. Uh, And that, you know, we just need to turn the dial down from that, you know, turn it down from 11 down to, I don't know, something lower. That's interesting. I don't know if we've ever gotten into this. So you think the, the number of a million legal immigrants is too high. What do you think the number ought to be? Well, I don't have a magic number because I don't think that's the way to think about it. What I, the way I think about it is kind of like, zero-based budgeting, um, where you start at zero, not because you want zero immigration, but you start there because a modern society like ours with a third of a billion people that spans a continent doesn't really need any immigration. But once you start at zero, then who are the categories of people that have such a compelling case to come in that we should let them in? And for me, that would be husbands, wives, and little kids of Americans. Uh, That's a lot of people every year, 300 to 400,000 people a year. And then real Einsteins, which is not a huge number. And then people, humanitarian immigration of people who really don't have anywhere else to go and literally cannot stay one more second where they are. The UN actually keeps a list of people like that. So you add that up, it's, you know, half, less than half of what we take now, but it's still more immigration than any other country in the world. takes. Right. Which often gets left out of the conversation. Um, yeah. by people who uh, who think we're evil and mean. 
Um, so you're laying this horrible tragedy from a couple of weeks ago where all those people died in the back of that truck, uh, the blame at Joe Biden's feet. Why? Well, there's plenty of blame to go around. I mean, the smugglers themselves obviously are most directly responsible. These are the scum of the earth who use people for money. But the administration shares in the blame because what they've done with their immigration policies is essentially lure people here. Uh, Like you said, if you get past the border, you're home free for all intents and purposes. But it's you still have to there's still some people that get arrested and deported. So it's not totally open borders, which are terrible, but at least wouldn't result in these kind of tragedies. But it's not an enforced border either. The way I refer to it is what we have under Biden is an open-ish border. It's like putting a fence up around a swimming pool, which you're legally required to do, because if some kid falls into your pool and there's no fence, you're responsible. But what we have is like a fence around your swimming pool, but there's a lot of holes in it. And you don't take care of it, and people can, kids can still get in, and they fall into the pool. And, um, you know, that's, that's on you. I mean, that's your responsibility. There's always going to be some people uh, who want to come here regardless of the laws, even if they know the odds are low of their getting, of their succeeding, some are still going to try. But not as many as now, given that the odds of success getting past the Border Patrol and living home free in the United States are so high under this administration. I, I would certainly try it if I was from one of these uh, other countries and had a chance yeah, to get my family into the United States. Sure you would. I mean, especially if, I mean, the majority of the people who are encountered, that's the PC term instead of arrested, who were encountered at the border, the majority of them in May were let go into the United States one way or another. Uh, in fact, since this administration has taken over, well over one million illegal immigrants, illegal border crossers, have just been let go into the United States. Some of them will show up for hearings, maybe. Uh, some of them won't. But even the ones who show up for their hearings, at the end of the process, if they get turned down for asylum, as most people do, they still don't leave. And there's no intention of the Biden administration to find them and make them leave. So, um, why, like you said, why wouldn't you do it? And the Wall Street Journal crowd, which tends to be Republican, they're not going to raise a stink about it because they need workers in, you know, uh, hotels, restaurants, and farms. The left is not going to raise a stink about it because they think they're getting voters, although I think that's being decreasingly uh, true. Uh, But between those two things, we don't get to... The answer that you described earlier, I feel like if you put what you just described at the beginning of this as an immigration policy to Americans, I feel like that would be an above 50% issue, don't you? I suspect it would be. Um, You know, it's not usually polled in that way. In other words, pollsters don't really ask the questions that way. But yes, I think so. And I got to say, though, both the libertarian and corporate folks on the one side and the lefties on the other the kind of things you talked about, whether it's cheap labor or cheap votes, it's part of what's going on in their you know, calculations. But I don't think that's the main thing in either okay. case. Okay, what is? I think it's ideological. In other words, their worldview is that they're citizens of the world. They're post-American. I don't mean they hate America. Some of them do. But for the most part, they, you know, they're happy enough to be here. 
but they don't consider themselves to have any greater responsibility to their fellow Americans than to others. And therefore, what that means is it would be wrong for somebody, say, from Haiti to be kept out. And if they make it here, we have no right to say no. That's the what the that at the bottom, that's what the perspective of the anti-borders people is. is well, they believe in unlimited yeah. immigration. I get that libertarian argument. That works if you don't have a welfare state because you know if you Well, it, even even if you did ha- even if you didn't have a welfare state, it wouldn't work. I mean, it'd be better to live on the street in the U.S. than to have a job in Haiti, quite frankly. You know what I mean? Decent point. But it wouldn't work as easily. But if you do have a welfare state like we do, it works pretty well. If you can get in here, you'll get fed, you'll get your cancer treated, you'll get your abortion paid for, whatever it is that you want, then, you know, that's a problem. And what I I tell people who make that argument is, okay, well, let's just, for the sake of argument, let's stipulate that. So get rid of the welfare state and then come back to me and we'll talk. And the fact is it's not happening. A welfare state, look, I'm a conservative personally, and our think tank is more kind of diverse and ambidextrous, but um, I'm conservative, and I think our um, social, the system of social provision for the poor needs to be more tightly run and more responsible. But even I don't want to get rid of the welfare state. It's a part of a modern mm-hmm. society. I don't want people dying on the steps of the emergency room because, you know, they can't afford care, but you can't have a society like that and then constantly have it open to people from countries that aren't as developed. What kinds of people do you think we need in this country? And I don't mean skin color, for crying out loud. I mean skills. I don't care what somebody's skin color is, but what 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 best benefits? Outside of that, you talked about refugees and people from all that sort of stuff. Get that. I'm on board with that. But in general, if we want to import workers, what what do we need? We don't really need workers. That's that's my point. In other words, there were, like I said, we have a third of a billion people. We have actually a larger and larger share of working age people who've dropped out of the labor market. This is a serious social problem. That's what we need to fix, not just import people to replace them and then send the Americans welfare checks and, you know, cheap uh, hypodermic needles. I mean, that's not a solution. But, uh, you know, there are people who... A relatively small number of people, like I said, Einstein immigrants, whose contribution to the productive capacity of the United States is so could be so large that um, I'm happy to let them in, and sure. most people are. Of but, course, but we're we're not talking about people with, you know, a bachelor's degree from Hyderabad Community College. We're talking about somebody with a PhD in chemical engineering or something like that. That you know, okay, I'm I'm happy for. I'll go and drive the green card over to the person myself. But, and, and people like that already can get in, even under our current system. It's just that we have defined, you know, best and brightest, as it were, way too broadly, which is probably similar to the fact that domestically, you know, half the kids in school get the honor roll. You know what I mean? Right. It's not because they're all smart. It's because everybody's supposedly above average. Well, well, we've got that same perspective for too much of skilled immigration. Well, and then the the other side of our immigration system, which is so angering, if you've ever known anybody who tried to do it the right way, I had a friend who was a PhD, PhD biologist, 
who was constantly fighting our system. He would he would uh, like need to go on uh, to go home to take care of his sick mom, and he couldn't go because something happened with the paperwork, and they weren't going to let him back in. And I mean, they make it so we make it so hard for people who are trying to do it the right way. It's very frustrating. Yeah, I mean, and that's one of the um, ways that you what is one of the reasons you see that our immigration law is the is the second most complicated and Byzantine part of our immigra- our, our legal system after the tax code. And so one of the important elements of a better immigration policy is radical simplification. In other words, streamline stuff, cut out all of this nonsense. And the fact is the immigration lawyers and the rest of them like that stuff because it creates employment for them just yeah. like tax lawyers or divorce really lawyers complicated law. divorce lawyers i suppose sure yeah yeah well you, luckily you only say i suppose i can speak from personal experience yeah, um okay. uh well, hey mark krikorian um executive director center for immigration studies thanks for coming on today very enlightening i uh, appreciate the fact that you always have so much knowledge at your fingertips thanks for coming on thank you the elevation with stephen furtick podcast was created with you in mind This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.